Well, hello and, and welcome again. As you know, I'm pretending to be Jeremiah in order to teach you what happened to him during his life as recorded in his book. And he became a prophet, or I became a prophet, when I was 17 years of age, and uh, I worked in the reign of Josiah for about 18 years. But there was a change in the weather when King Jehoiakim came to the throne. I brought with me my latest top of the range digital display board just to remind you of some of the events that took place, the things that happened to me during the reign of King Jehoiakim. The figure in the bottom right hand corner is the chapter in the book and if there's a figure in the top right hand corner then that figure is my approximate age at the time. So when I was about 35 years of age I was put on trial and nearly lost my life as a consequence of the outcome of that trial. Then I bought a linen belt, which I put out in a rock, or amongst some rocks, and it got ruined by the weather, and this was a prophetic sign to all the people that the people were ruined and were going to be ruined. Then I went down to the, the potter's workshop, and two things happened to me there. Firstly, I saw the potter at work, reworking his clay, and then the second time I went, I, I bought a jar, which I later smashed in the Valley of Ben-Hinnom. After that, I was placed in the stocks, where I was beaten by one of the priests, and I fell into a very low depression. It was one of the lowest points of my life as a prophet. The people's condition, that is to say their way of life, was getting worse and worse, and I was impressed by a, my, a tiny minority in the country who were called the Rechabites, who had been loyal to their ancestor for over 200 years. But the people of Judah, my people, couldn't be loyal to the Lord for two minutes. And I realised that God needed a new relationship with people. The old covenant established by Moses had been broken by the people so badly that the Lord decided to establish a new covenant with a new people who believed in Jesus and had their sins forgiven and who had new hearts and new minds. Well, the next atrocity during the time of King Jehoiakim was the burning of my prophecies. Please turn to chapter 36. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll and write on it all the words I have spoken to you concerning Israel, Judah, and all the other nations from the time I began speaking to you in the reign of Josiah till now. Perhaps when the people of Judah hear about every disaster I plan to inflict on them, they will each turn from their wicked ways. Then I will forgive their wickedness and their sin. So Jeremiah called Barak, son of Neriah, and while Jeremiah dictated all the words the Lord had spoken to him, Baruch wrote them on the scroll. Then Jeremiah told Baruch, I am restricted. I am not allowed to go to the Lord's temple. So you go to the house of the Lord on a day of fasting and read to the people from the scroll the words of the Lord that you wrote as I dictated. Read them to all the people of Judah who come in from their towns. Perhaps they will bring their petition before the Lord and will each turn from their wicked ways, for the anger and wrath pronounced against this people by the Lord are great. It's about 21 years now since I became a prophet, 
And as I've told you before, the balance of power in the Middle East had, fought, had moved from the power of Egypt to the power of Babylon. And I decided it was time I wrote a book. It was time I wrote my prophecies down. So I called my secretary, Baruch, to me, and I dictated to him, and he wrote down on a scroll all my prophecies. I still hope that people might change their mind and repent and turn to the Lord. I couldn't go to the temple myself to read these prophecies because by this time I was banned. Remember, I'm a priest. I'm entitled to go to the temple, but I'm banned because of the way I've been speaking the Lord's word to the authorities there. So a year later, the book was ready and Barak took the book and he read my prophecies in the temple. But the civil servants there who listened to it decided to interview Baruch about it. Reading from verse 14 now. All the officials sent Jehudi to say to Baruch, bring the scroll from which you have read to the people and come. So Baruch went to them with the scroll in his hand. They said to him, sit down please and read it to us. So Baruch read it to them. When they heard all these words, they looked at each other in fear and said to Baruch, we must report all these words to the king. Then they asked Baruch, tell us, how did you come to write all this? Did Jeremiah dictate it? Yes, Baruch replied. He dictated all these words to me and I wrote them in ink on the scroll. Then the officials said to Baruch, you and Jeremiah go and hide. Don't let anyone know where you are. After they put the scroll in the room of Eli Sharma, the secretary, they went to the king in the courtyard and reported everything to him. The king sent Jehudi to get the scroll and Jehudi brought it from the room of Eli Sharma, the secretary, and read it to the king and all the officials standing beside him. It was the ninth month and the king was sitting in the winter apartment with a fire burning in the brazier in front of him. Whenever Jehudi had read three or four columns of the scroll, the king cut them off with a scribe's knife and threw them into the brazier until the entire scroll was burned in the fire. The king and all his attendants who heard all these words showed no fear, nor did they tear their clothes. Even though Elnathan and others urged the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. Instead, the king commanded Jeremiel, the son of the king, to arrest Baruch the scribe and Jeremiah the prophet, but the Lord had hidden them. So Baruch went down to the temple. He read my words out there to the civil servants, priests and others who were located, and they were alarmed, and they decided these words had to be read to the king. I wasn't arrested. I was able to be set free. As the words from my prophecy were read to the king, the king took a knife and he cut off strips from the scroll and threw them into the brazier, which was burning there in the winter cool. The only example I can think of in the Bible of the word of God being burnt. Baruch became quite depressed after this, and in chapter 45 of my book, I, I had to reassure him. He was feeling the pressure. He was very low. He said, I'm worn out with groaning, and I, I find no rest. So I had to reassure him that although God was going to allow the land to be destroyed, 
he, Baruch, would live through it. In verse 5 of chapter 45, I will bring disaster on all people, but wherever you go, I will let you escape with your life. So Baruch was reassured that he wasn't going to die at the hands of the Babylonians. Well, it may not surprise you to know that King Jehoiakim came to a bad end. You can read about this in 2 Chronicles chapter 36 and verse 5. He rebelled again against Nebuchadnezzar. Really not a good idea, Jehoiakim, to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar's armies marched into Jerusalem. They arrested Jehoiakim. They put bronze shackles on him and he had to walk all the way to Babylon. His son became king. His son's name was Jehoiakim. But his reign only lasted for three months and he was taken to Babylon as well with treasures from the temple together with 18,000 exiles from Judah. And these exiles included Ezekiel, who became a prophet about five years later. And the next king was Zedekiah. This is the third son of Josiah to become king. Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, and now King Zedekiah. By now, I'm in my mid-40s. We have thousands, probably 20,000 of the people of my land now living in Babylon. But many more still living in Judah and in Jerusalem. What was I to make of this? What prophetic message could I bring the people in the light of their division? I was given a vision. Let me read to you from chapter 24. After Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the officials, the skilled workers, and the craftsmen of Judah were carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. The Lord showed me two baskets of figs placed in front of the temple of the Lord. One basket had very good figs, like those that ripen early. The other basket had very bad figs, so bad they couldn't be eaten. Then the Lord asked me, What do you see, Jeremiah? Figs, I answered. The good ones are very good, but the bad ones are so bad they cannot be eaten. Then the word of the Lord came to me. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Like these good figs, I regard as good the exiles from Judah, whom I sent away from this place to the land of the Babylonians. My eyes will watch over them for their good, and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. But like the bad figs, which are so bad that they cannot be eaten, says the Lord, so will I deal with Zedekiah, king of Judah, his officials and the survivors from Jerusalem, whether they remain in this land or live in Egypt. I will make them abhorrent, and an offence to all the kingdoms of the earth, a reproach and a byword, a curse and an object of ridicule, wherever I banish them. I will send the sword, famine and plague against them until they are destroyed from the land I gave to them and their ancestors. You see, the king, Jehoiakim and Jehoiakim, are both in Babylon. All the middle class are there. 
skilled people, educated people, soldiers, priests, and others, Daniel, Ezekiel, they're there in Babylon. The country's gone through a devastating time. The question was, where did the purposes of God lie? Was God going to work through the people taken away into exile? Or was God going to deal through the people who had been left behind with me in Judah? And this vision of two baskets of figs, good and bad, made it crystal clear. The good figs were the exiles. The good figs were where God's purposes lay. And the bad figs were those who remained in Judah. Thank you very much. So I'm one of the bad figs who are going to face further disaster. But now I knew that God's purposes lay with the good figs in Babylon, I decided to write them a letter. And so we come at last to my famous letter in chapter 29, where verse 11 has become a favourite verse of people in your day. I'm going to read the first part of this letter to you. Chapter 29, verse 1. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the Queen Mother, the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers and the craftsmen had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elasa and to Gemariah and sent it to Babylon. It said, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. The people in exile were in shock. They had been defeated militarily. Their country was being devastated. The city of Jerusalem was in flames. The temple had been destroyed. Nearly all the temple furniture had been carted off to Babylon. They were refugees. Many of them had died on the journey because they had to walk from Jerusalem to Babylon. They had no homes. 
they had no Ark of the Covenant, they had no altar, they had no priests to lead them in worship, and most of them were going to die there because this exile would last 70 years. So virtually nobody who'd been alive in Jerusalem when the exile took place would live a further 70 years and have the good health to come back when the exile came to an end. So what should they do? Should they rebel? Should they fight? What about causing trouble? How about assassinating the king? What about burning Babylon to the ground? No. I sent them this letter. Build houses, plant vegetables, get married, have lots of children and grandchildren. Verse 7, maintain civil peace and seek prosperity. Build your businesses. If you're a potter, make pots. If you're a builder, build houses. If you're a farmer, grow food. If you're a tailor, make clothes. Because as Babylon prospers, you will prosper. Now this was very ironic because I was forbidden to get married. I was forbidden from having children. I was forbidden from socialising. But now I'm writing to the exiles saying, look, settle down in Babylon. You're there for 70 years. Most of you are going to die there. Get used to it. And don't listen to these false prophets. The exile is going to last 70 years. So have a good as life there as you can possibly make it. But in the long run, God will bring his people back to Judah. Verse 11, God's plans are to prosper you and to give you hope and a future. Verse 12, once again, God will answer your prayers. And verse 13, when you seek God with all your heart, you will find him. And verse 14, God is going to bring this wretched exile to an end. At last, I had something good to say again. I was building and I was planting. I was sending a letter of blessing to the people in exile. The next paragraph of the letter, verses 15 to 19, is about those who were left in Jerusalem, including myself. They were going to perish. And then the last part of the letter, from verse 20 to the end, is about false prophets. Because in Babylon there were false prophets saying in the name of the Lord that this would be a brief and a short exile and soon they would be going back home. One of them, whose name was Shemaiah, had the cheek, the audacity, to write a letter about me, about me, Jeremiah, to the priests in Jerusalem, slagging me off, complaining about me, saying I had prophesied a long exile, when it wasn't going to be a long exile. The letter said I should be treated like a madman. It said I should be put in the stocks again, with neck irons this time. And I had to say that was a false prophecy, and that that prophet Shemaiah was going to be punished by the Lord for preaching rebellion against the will of the Lord. So let me come out of roll now. During this talk we visited four chapters in my book. We visited the chapter where my scroll was burnt and thrown in the fire by the king but then I wrote the prophecies down again. And that's why you have them in your Bibles, because Baruch wrote the prophecies the second time on, on a scroll. In chapter 45, I had to encourage Baruch, who thought he was going to come to a miserable death at the hands of the Babylonians. And then I had to think through where God's purposes lay. Did those purposes lie in Babylon with the exile or in Judah with those who remained? 
And the vision of the basket of figs showed me that the good figs were the exiles and the bad figs were those who remained. And so I wrote to them my famous letter. A few takeaways then from this talk. Firstly, you cannot destroy the word of God. Jehoiakim made every effort to destroy my prophecies. But here you are in the 21st century AD reading what I wrote. You cannot destroy the word of God. Another takeaway is that the people with whom God's blessing was going to be fulfilled in the future were exiles. They were way away from their homeland in Babylon. Now, doesn't the New Testament talk about Christians like that? Peter, in his letter, first verse, to God's elect strangers in the world, he says. Good News Bible, to God's chosen people who live as refugees. The contemporary English version, to God's people who are scattered like foreigners. We, the church, followers of Jesus, are strangers in this world. We live as refugees. We're foreigners here. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere belong beyond the blue. While we're here, waiting for our eternal home, should we be hostile towards this present world? Should we be indifferent to this present world? Or should we be supportive of this present world? Think of this letter. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city where I have carried you to. You see, the best citizens in Derby should be the followers of Jesus. The best citizens in the United Kingdom should be those who claim the name of Jesus Christ. The best citizens in any country in the world, the most loyal, the most hardworking, the most truthful, and the most reliable citizens should be those who belong to Jesus. Because Jesus told us to be salt and light in this world. Think through how you, in your role, wherever you are, whatever work you have, how can you be a better citizen for the country and the town in which you live? If you take all the Christians out of a country so there are none left, what do you get? You get Afghanistan with all its horrors and famine. If you take all the Christians out of society and shut them away in dungeons and prisons, what do you get? You get North Korea with all its persecution and depravity and brutality towards the people. The Christians are there in a foreign land. They're exiles, they're refugees, they're strangers in this world, but they do their best to be salt and light in this world. And then, of course, the famous verse 11. How much of a blessing that is to so many of us. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Take that promise as a personal promise. In its context, it was for a group of people, exiles in Babylon. God's going to bring them back. It was his plan to return them to Jerusalem. But take it as a personal promise promise from God and as he plans to prosper you and to give you hope and a future as you seek God you will find him when you seek him with all your heart let's pray 
Father, we thank you so much for the promise that we receive through this letter from Jeremiah. We thank you that your purposes for us are to prosper us and to bless us and to do us good. Help us to seek you with all our hearts and to find you and to follow your way and to live as salt and light in this world. Amen. Now Jeremiah is going to be on holiday during December, so the next exciting episode of these stories will appear somewhere on YouTube in January. Thank you very much indeed for watching and listening. Bye-bye.